Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. The mom struggling with a toddler at her feet and a baby in her arms. The woman struggling to become a mom. To the mom of a child with special needs. To the mom trying to balance work and motherhood. To the single mom doing this all on her own. To the adoptive mom. To the mom whose baby won't sleep. We see you. To the mom far from her parents. To the mom who lost her child in the womb. And to the mom who lost her child outside the womb to the mom battling anxiety and depression, to the mom living in a multi-generational household, to the mom separated from her kids, to the foster mom, to the mom with a relationship on the rocks, to the, mo- to the stay-at-home mom who is on 24-7, to the stepmom, to the spiritual mom, we see you. To all of the moms loving their kids hard, keeping them safe, and doing their best without knowing what the future holds, we see you, we salute you, and we honor you. Thank you, Eva. We did better this time, didn't we, Eva? <laughs> we both lost it up here for the nine o'clock. Hey, before you sit, we're gonna read a passage of scripture together out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three. And it says like this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Let's pray. God, we just give this time to you. We thank you for every single person, for every season represented in here, for every story represented in here. Lord, for every piece of joy, for every little bits of pain, for seasons of disappointment, heartbreak, for seasons of celebration and and great memories. And Lord, we just commit all of it to you, God. You are the father of the good days and the hard days. You are the God of the mountaintops and the valleys. And so we honor you. And Father, more than anything today, I ask you, would you help me help your people today? Lord, I just want to help your people, Lord, just um, be set free sometimes, perhaps from uh, shame or comparison or guilt. And Lord, I pray that your freedom would just flow in this place, even now as we pray. Lord, as people are carrying perhaps wounds in their heart or just heartache, Father God, or just perhaps just 
questions in their mind and in their soul. Lord, I pray that even now in this moment, Prince of Peace, would you come? Would you minister your hope? Would you minister your peace, your strength, your joy? Father, for those who are feeling weak in this moment, I thank you that you are their strength. Lord, for people who are feeling sadness, I thank you that in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And so we commit this time, we commit this Mother's Day to you. And we say, Father, have your way in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Okay, before you sit down, look at the person next to you and tell them this weird thing. Lock your door. Now you can sit down. All right. I think because I've been crying, my hands are feeling really sweaty, so I can't even swipe. So thankfully, I have, literally, I cannot swipe. So I'm prepared. I have a sheet here. So we'll go on old school. I hope that's okay. But those of my friends who know me well know I have a secret obsession with watching police shows. I love Chicago PD. Me and my son have binge watched that thing like you wouldn't believe. I was desperately disappointed when the next season didn't start. We're waiting. We're like, come on, season 10, let's go. You know, I'm also very obsessed for the last 20 something years of my life with Law and Order. Any Law and Order fans? I mean, guys, I would have to then put on like friends after that because I was so petrified to go to sleep. But I was obsessed with Law and Order. And because of that obsession, I now am super convinced anytime I'm outside in the dark or my husband's traveling that someone wants to come kidnap me and murder me. Like that is what your pastor thinks, okay? So much so when he travels, which recently it's been a bit, I'm like super aware that the man of the house ain't home. And so Shiloh, you know, he just wants to lick everybody and he used to want to just bite everybody, but now the Lord has redeemed and set him free from his aggression. Uh, so our dog doesn't really help, but uh, I have this thing now. I lock the doors, I lock the windows, I make sh I actually sleep with a weapon. I won't tell you what kind of weapon it is. Don't worry, it's not what you think, or maybe it is. I don't know, I'm not telling you. If I told you, I might have to kill you, just kidding. But I may or may not, just don't quote me on that, okay? And I may even have a script that I know in the unlikely event that my house gets broken into, it's gonna fly out the window, that script. But I do, I have a script. I have prepared that script for years because I'm so certain that at any moment, someone will walk into my house and so I'm ready. I, I know exactly what to say, but again, who knows that script's out the window as soon as something weird does happen. But for some bizarre reason though, when my husband is home, all that stuff, all that safety just seems to like fly out the window. There have been times that we get people ringing our doorbell in the middle of the night because we've left our, our keys in the front door. Now, if I were to tell you that it was only once or twice or three times, I kid you not, we leave our front door keys in the lock for like, I can't even tell you how many times, it's embarrassing. It's like, here thief, come on in, steal our family, take our dog and our TV, you know what I'm saying? There have been times that our neighbors ring the doorbell and say, hey, um, your trunk's been open all night. We're like, yeah, we're just trying to be really kind to the robbers who want to take our car. You know, we're good people like that. We're generous, you know? So that's like what we do. That's, that's just our MO. We love to just keep doors open. There was a time that I was eight months pregnant, maybe nine months pregnant, and I had just came home. I was still part of the worship team back in the day. Now they told me I was too old and I can't be on it. Just kidding. They didn't say that. Joking, joking, it's on me. 
but I was nine months pregnant, came home pretty late. It was like 10 o'clock. And my husband's brother was here from Australia and they got to go into New York City. And I came home and at that moment, I was probably still not extremely obsessed with law and order because I wasn't you know, locking things so well that night because I came home from rehearsal. And instead of like, I'm not even talking about locking the door, I literally left the door open. It's like 10.30 at night. I go lie down, I go watch a show. I start hearing noises on my front porch. And I was like, oh great, Anthony and Craig are home. That's great, I can just go back to sleep, I'm fine. An hour later, I get a call from my husband. Hey babe, about to get on the path, coming home now. I'm like, what you talking about, Willis? Like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, weren't you here an hour ago? I heard you guys on the porch talking. He's like, no. I'm like, there were men on my porch talking. What do you mean that was not you? He's like, no, I was like, it's happened. It's finally happened. They came and they took my stuff, but they didn't take me. Okay. And I was petrified. And sure enough, I opened the door because it was a jar and someone had come and took all the furniture outside of our front porch, our chairs, our mailbox, everything, like even the water bottles. I was like, oh my gosh, it's happened. And I wasn't ready. I was really upset. But then because I was aware that our worship team at the time loved pranking us, I was like, let me first make some phone calls before I call 911. So I call our drummer at the time, Jack Matias, who's still here, a part of this church. I was like, yo, Jack, did you come after rehearsal and take the furniture off of my porch? He's like, Pastor Miriam, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was like, you better not lie to me, son. I know I have a, I have a connection to the Heavenly Father. And he's like, and then I don't know, he eventually said something and I found out it was the worship team. They legit came on the porch, took the entire furniture, set it up down. I was so scared to walk down past the porch. They set it up on the front lawn. Like, like who does that to a nine month pregnant woman? Seriously, we need to pray for our worship team, okay? Now granted that was many years ago now, but still, I'm still getting healed of that. Anyway, so maybe some of you are not crazy like us. Maybe you've never left the keys in your door, but I am curious, has anyone ever left their keys in their phone? Oh, someone raised their hand nice and proud over there. I see you. Oh, okay, babe, it's not just us. We're okay. I won't judge us anymore. Okay, so many of us. But I do have a question that I want to ask you today because I do want to talk to you about a thief. A thief who actually comes in not because he's breaking in, a thief that's coming in not because you left the keys in the door, but because you actually punched in the code for him. I actually want to talk to you about a thief that you actually left the keys in the door for him to come in. He didn't have to barge in. He didn't have to wait till you were out. He didn't need to come through a window. This thief is called comparison. This thief is called comparison. Theodore Roosevelt, the youngest president of the United States, which I think it's interesting that it was the youngest president at the time of the United States said, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. I think a lot of moms and dads and students and leaders and people of all ages have left the keys in the door of their hearts and minds for the thief to come in and steal your joy by simply staring too long at what is in front of others instead of what is in front of you. Hear that again. Comparison is keeping your eyes on what's in front of others instead of keeping your eyes on what is in front of us. 
We're so busy looking at someone else's gift for too long. We're so busy looking at someone else's season or someone else's blessing, someone else's house or car or family or Instagram highlight reel. We're so busy looking at someone else's something for too long and we're either jealous about it or we're prideful about it. We're either insecure about it or we're self-righteous about it. Instead of just cultivating and stewarding the gift that God's put in your hand for a specific time, for a specific purpose, and uniquely designed different than anybody else's. Comparison carries around a measuring stick. It literally brings, you know how thieves, they bring something with them, whether it's a bag, whether it's a, that thing that opens cars. What is that thing called? Crowbar? Whatever. It, it, comparison is a thief that brings around a stick as well. It's a measuring stick, and it says, do they measure up or do I measure up? See, comparing yourself to another mother or father or leader or woman or man or preacher, singer, teacher, influencer, business leader, whatever it is that you sometimes are tempted to compare yourself with, it either makes you feel inferior or superior. And neither one of those glorify God. See, comparison either makes you feel inferior or superior, and neither of them honor God. God, design, God designed us to be different. He designed us to have different capacities. He designed us to be unique and fulfill his purpose in his way, for his glory, and not for ours. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. It says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Be happy with those who are happy. And I feel like that's a hard one for us sometimes when we're comparing. It's hard to be happy for the neighbor next door. It's hard to be happy for that leader that got that promotion, for that coworker that got that promotion. But Paul is telling us, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And I love this last part, Paul. Good job, Paul. And don't think you know it all. And don't think you know it all. Now tell the person next to you, unless it's your wife, don't tell your wife that. Tell the other person. Be like, don't think you know it all, okay? <laughs> now if that is your wife next to you, say, baby, you do know it all. It's okay. Baby, you know it all. My husband knows I know it all, so we don't have to talk about this. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Trying to have some fun in the house of God, amen? 
The Bible tells us in verse 3 that we should evaluate our own selves by faith so we can understand how to use our gifts for each other, with each other, not against each other, or to compete with one another. See, we're to measure, examine our gifts by faith, not by comparison, not by looking at the person next to us to say, well, that's how he does it. I should do that way too. No, no, no. We can learn from one another. We can have a teachable spirit where we can encourage each other to grow. But if it's to compare, if it's to compete, it's so that you can feel inferior or superior. That is not of God. That is not of God. The thing we should evaluate is not the haves and the have-nots. It's not the more of or the less of. What we should evaluate, what we should examine, what we should measure is our heart. Is there humility in there? Is there love? Is there honesty? Is there goodness? Is there honor? Is there obedience to God? And in any area of your life, whether it's motherhood, fatherhood, womanhood, manhood, leadership, singleness, is there honor towards God? What is the measure of our hearts? You know, how many times have we riled ourselves up or caused our own discouragement or disappointment by looking at the exterior of someone else's life? How many times have we left the door unlocked or the keys in the door for the thief to come in and steal our joy because we compare? We do it to ourselves. Like, here's the thing. We can't even be mad at anybody else about it. Like, we get mad at the person that we're comparing ourselves with, but like, we're the ones doing the comparing. We're the ones who are hurting ourselves. We're the ones waging war on our own heart, soul, and spirit when we go with comparison. It starts with, look at the size of their home. Look at their new car. Look at, they have another vacation. Wow, they must be balling now. You know what I'm saying? And it's like all that kind of stuff. Wow, I wish I could be her mom. Look at their Instagram picture. So perfect. It took 500 takes to get that picture with 200 filters. I know, that's me. I take a lot of them. You should see how many. I'm like, if you don't smile, child, I will beat you later. Like, smile over the camera. Okay. The thing is, we do it when we look at each other. And Craig Rochelle, a pastor of an amazing church somewhere in America, says where comparison begins, contentment ends. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. So many people are unhappy in their marriage because they're comparing to someone else. So many families, so many young people. Man, social media is destroying the confidence of our young people. So many kids committing suicide. So many young ladies, beautiful girls, never feeling like they can measure up. They're not thin enough, not pretty enough, not smart enough, not, not competitive enough. And because young girls and young men, they don't have what we have, the, the understanding to know how to process perhaps with a counselor or with a mentor or with a seasoned Christian, they go to each other and what do their friends say? Oh, just end your misery. Just go hang yourself. How many stories in the last five years have I heard of young teenagers killing themselves because their friend says, just put yourself out of your misery. Get your kids to the house of God for youth group. They need youth leaders. Can I tell you what my youth group was like? I remember growing up, we would go to the basement. You were lucky if you had a guitar, and you were lucky if the preacher made any sense. But we had each other. And now we want all these crazy things and all these exciting things. Get your kids' butt to the house of God. They need mentors. They need people praying for them, believing for them. They need people pouring into them. Here's the thing, because if you don't, guess who will? Social media. 
TikTok. There's all these crazy preachers on TikTok that are not preaching the word of God. And they're indoctrinating your kids. 1 Samuel 16, there's this incredible story that many of you would know of. It's when God told the prophet Samuel to go to Jesse's house because it was time to anoint the next king. Saul was being a bad, bad guy. And God was like, I'm done with you, Saul. It's time to get the new king. And so Samuel loved Saul. He was the one who anointed Saul. And he was, he was heartbroken because he was believing for Saul. But Saul, his time was up. And it was time to anoint a new king. So then Samuel was sent to Jesse's house. And Jesse had a buttload of kids. See a lot of boys, lots of them. But the thing is, all of them lined up to see Samuel. Even the first one, Eliab, tall, super good looking, probably in the military. I'm pretty sure most of them were. But here's the thing, when it came to David, I don't even think Jesse believed in David enough to even let him make it to the lineup. Like, he was like, well, compared to the other guys, I don't even, like, let's just let him deal with the sheep. I mean, I don't even think he could compare to the other boys. And so when Samuel came and he first saw Eliab, he's like, it must be this guy. And look what God says to Samuel. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, God chose David not because of what looked good on the outside. He chose David because of the measure of his heart. And my question to you is, are you measuring your life by the height of it or by the heart of it? Are you measuring your life by the height of it or by the heart of it? Are you comparing your life by the height of other people's successes or by the weight of their humility or by the weight of their teachability or by the weight of their honor, by the weight of their integrity? Because, you know, one day when we die, we're not going to be like reading our resumes. Our loved ones who are left behind are not going to be like, well, Miriam accomplished this. She had this many women at Resilient Woman in 20, 2022. No, my, when I die one day, I want my eulogy to be like, she was a phenomenal mom. She gave all that she could. She loved the people of that church. She loved her family like none other. See, it's not our achievements, but it's who we are as people. It is the measure of our heart. Not to say you shouldn't run after your achievements. Not to say you shouldn't have goals. Not to say we shouldn't learn from one another. But the truth of the matter is, if comparison starts to grip your heart, you will lose sight of the true focus, which is Jesus. Running our race because he's calling us to the race. Because he's appointed us to a specific race that nobody else has. Focus on Jesus. You see, as moms, you may look at another mom in your playgroup and think, man, I wish I could be a, me a better mom like her. I mean, mom guilt is a real thing. It's a real thing. But I wonder if the real question can be not, can I be a mom like her, but more, Lord, what have you put in my hands? What capacity have you put in my hand? What, what, what way to love? What can I, you obviously gave me my kids because I was the best mother for them. So how can I be the best mother for them? And we spend so much time comparing that we don't actually spend enough time pouring into the very ones that God's called us to pour into. You see, comparison leads us to unintentionally reject God. And I know for some of you that might seem like, whoa, I don't reject God. It's not intentional. We don't do it intentionally. We don't realize what we are doing when we compare. But you see, when we do compare, it does lead us to reject God. And I'll tell you a few ways how that happens. Number one, it rejects God's design. 
It says he designed us wrong. He should have made us taller or a different skin type or a different whatever, different eye color, whatever, different skill sets, different personality. I don't know about you, but I've complained at different times like, Lord, you could have made me a little bit more like this or a little bit more like that. And when we do that, we're rejecting his design. Psalm 139.14 says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. That means I'm like nobody else. That means you're like nobody else. And we are wonderfully complex, not the same. We are unique. We're completely different from one another because he's such a creative God, which leads us to our second point. Comparison rejects God's creativity. He did not design us to be like one another. He designed us to be his image bearers. And when we reject his creativity by not liking what he's given in our hand, we are rejecting that we are his image bearers, supposed to be different. We are a puzzle piece of his grand design. I love this scripture. It was kind of like a slap in the face, not going to lie. Isaiah 45, 9. Check this out. I didn't say it. He said it. So if you're going to be annoyed at it, it's not about me. Okay. Look at this. It says, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does the clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? Doesn't that sound silly? But that's what we sound like when we complain to God. Does the pot explain, I'm sorry, exclaim how clumsy can you be? I mean, like, whew. Next one, comparison rejects God's wisdom. It says we know more than God and we know better than God. Comparison rejects God's provision. When we start looking at our car, our, at our house, our family, our spouse, and, and we tell God it's not enough, that's rejecting his provision. It doesn't mean we can't believe for more. It doesn't mean we can't believe God, hey, I want a better house for my family. I want a newer car so it's safer for my kids, or I want a new job. Or, there's nothing wrong for believing God for that. Actually, it is biblical, and I want to stir you guys to believe God for more. Believe God for the breakthrough, for the provision, for the blessing. Yes, do it. As long as it's from coming from a place of faith and not a place of competition. As long as it comes from a place of glorifying God with the blessing instead of a place of comparison. Believe God for more. Comparison rejects God's provision. See, comparison is a self-centered focus instead of a Christ-centered focus. Doesn't only reject God's design and creativity and provision. And I mentioned this before, and I want to say it again. It's like a self-inflicting gunshot wound to our identity. I don't know about you, but I've watched a few movies now where some idiot shoots himself in the foot. And isn't it funny? We're like, oh, what an idiot shoots himself in the foot. But when we compare ourselves to each other, we're essentially doing the same thing. We're hurting ourselves. We're, we're, it's an act of war against our mind, our body, our soul, and our spirit. Listen, teenagers. Listen, moms who are so hard on yourselves. Listen, men who are trying their best to provide. Listen, young adults who are trying to find your place in this world. The quickest way to tarnish something special is to compare it with something else. Hear that again. The quickest way to tarnish something special is to compare it to something else. 
we see comparison happens quite a lot in the Bible and people get into a lot of trouble for doing it. And we'll talk about two different sets of people, Cain and Abel. There were two brothers. If you don't know the story, I'll quickly summarize it for you. Two brothers. One was into like, you know, sheep and stuff like that. And the other guy was into like vegetables and fruits. And so when it was time to do worship service and to bring their offering, Abel brought his best, the best that he had, the first, the firstborn of the lambs, the best that he had. And Cain just grabbed whatever he could and just brought it. One brought out of its sacrifice and one brought out of his convenience. And the Lord looked at Cain's offering and he despised it. And he said, no, I'm not receiving that offering. But then he looked at Abel's offering that was the best that cost him something. It, it, it cost his faith. It cost him something of value. And he was honored with it. And Cain despised his brother. And here's the thing in this moment of comparison. Cain became angry because he thought was God was comparing the thing, the item. But it wasn't about the object. It's, it's never about the gift, but what's behind the heart of it. God was looking for the posture of Cain's heart. Cain could have bought the best if he only had apples, and, but it was the best. He didn't care about whether it was an apple or a mango. He just wanted it to be the best. And that was the difference between Cain and Abel. You see, maybe you have a teaching gift and someone else has a preaching gift. And you're like, well, I want the preaching gift. Well, God just wants the best of your teaching gift. It's not about the gift. It's the heart behind it. Sometimes we compare our gifting, we compare our call, we compare our seasons, one's married, one's single. We compare uh, the haves and the have-nots and, and we think the thing that matters is the gifting. So we waste our time comparing with each other and being miserable about who has a better gift instead of focusing on Jesus and bringing him glory. It's not about the what or the who has, it's about the how and the whom, how we bring our best to our families, how we bring our best to those we lead. How about we bring our best to God? Because one day those gifts, that money, that bank account, that car, that house is gonna be left behind. And when we meet our maker, it's not about the things you had, it's not about the gift you had, but it is how you steward your life well here on earth. It is how you loved people well, not perfectly, but brokenly trying to move forward in the things of God, loving his people, loving the people that God's placed in your world. I think about Mary and Martha. Maybe you've been comparing in a different way. Maybe you look at someone who seems to have things easy. Maybe their blessings were handed to them on a silver platter. Maybe you have to sweat while they get to sloth. Oh, she's on another spa day. Oh, another vacay. How nice. Maybe you've said, well, God, that's not fair. I have to do this, but she or he gets to do that. I have to sit here and labor for this thing while they get to go and do whatever. And, and maybe we compare our struggle and maybe we compare our season. I think of Martha and Mary. Martha was busy preparing a meal. She was busy cleaning the house because Jesus was coming. And she's, I don't know about you, like that, Martha's a little bit like me. I'm like, I better get the bleach out, yo, fabuloso, all over this place. You know, Jesus is coming to my house. Where's the dry, Mr. Eraser? What's it called? Mr. Clean. What's it called? Mr. What is it? Magic Eraser. That's what it is. I'm like, that's not Mr. Clean, although he's good too. I'm a little like Martha. I'm like, we must get ready. The king is coming. 
And Anthony would totally be like Mary, like, I'm just going to sit here with Jesus and just chill, okay? Just drink my coffee and just spend time in his presence. Nothing aggravates me more. Where he's just there with Jesus in the morning and I'm trying to get the kids ready. I'm like, I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> Actually, he's really helpful. I'm just joking. But do you find yourself comparing your struggle to someone else's blessing? And there was a moment when Martha looks at Mary, sorry, Martha looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, aren't you going to say something to Mary? She's just sitting there being all like whatever. And, and I'm here working, I'm like sweating it up. And my nails are getting all busted, washing these dishes. And, and he's like, Martha, Martha, Mary chose the best part. Can you imagine the audacity? You're there mopping, and she chose the best part. I know that's hard. I know life can seem unfair sometimes. I know maybe you prayed about that child, or maybe you prayed about that season, and maybe it was taken away. Maybe some of you are grieving right now, and you're looking to the person next to you, not as faithful as you are. Well, you tithe and you serve, and why did that promise get ripped away from your hands? Why did you have to lose that? Why did you have to grieve that? And, and, and we start looking at each other's blessings, each other's journeys, each other's things, and we're like, Lord, I'm struggling, and they're blessed, but I'm better. And God doesn't ask us to do that. He asks us to trust Him. He asks us to trust the journey, to trust the process, he gives and he takes away we don't understand but even when he does we can faithfully worship him because he's our creator and he's good and even though we don't understand that's why we need faith that's why it is without faith it's impossible to please God it doesn't make sense in the middle of your struggle but stop looking at their blessing and look what God's given you and don't compare with what they have and say thank you for what I have and maybe I only have a little but you can do miraculous things with just a little you can do supernatural things with just a little you can take my breadcrumbs and you can make bread loaves don't despise the little I know it seems unfair I know you're busy working I know maybe you're a single mom and you're looking at the other families at the park and they're so cute, the husband and wife holding hands with their strollers and you're there yourself with three kids on your back and you're just trying to survive. You chose life and you chose well. You chose life, you chose well. Don't despise those hard moments. God is with you, he hasn't abandoned you even though sometimes your feelings may tell you he has. Get the keys out of the door. Lock your door. Don't let the thief of comparison in. It will steal your joy. You know, years ago, one of my pastors, Pastor Mike Murphy, he comes here often. He is such a joy. He's a spiritual dad to me and Anthony. I was pretty, he was trying to challenge me for the next season ahead. He's like, uh, Miriam, uh, I see you preaching more in the future. I'm like, that is not true. That is not true, I will not be preaching more. That is not my job. And he's like, all right, shut up girl. Uh, it is your job and you are gonna be preaching more. And I'm like, well, I don't want it. He's like, I don't care, God is calling you. I'm like, no, he's not. And so it was a little bit of an argument. He was in Australia, I was here and we were Zooming. It was very funny. And he told me to get over myself, which was very encouraging. And I said to him, I said, Mike, 
I'm not as eloquent as my friend so-and-so. I was talking about all my pastor friends across the world who have incredible ministries, who've been preaching for years. I'm like, I'm not Andy Andrew. I'm not Havilah. I'm not this and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Miriam, stop comparing your beginning with someone else's middle. And I said, well, hello, who came to talk to me today? I was like, that rattled me. Sometimes we want to compare our beginning with someone's finish line. We're like, oh, I'll never be good as so-and-so. They wrote 20 books. They wrote 50 songs. They released this many things. And wow, they're parents of, you know, whatever Ivy League school. And we just, what are we doing to ourselves? Shotgun to our foot, looking like a fool. Don't compare your beginning with someone else's middle. There will always be someone better. There will always be someone bigger. And for some of you, you're like, praise God. There will always be someone faster. There will always be someone smarter and wiser. You may want to be the biggest, the smartest, the prettiest, the strongest, the wisest. There's something about the ER and the S, right? The, the better and the best. There's something about being the quickest or the fastest, right? Or there's just something about it. But the truth of the matter is the more or the mostest is not our prize. It is not our prize. Our prize is to run our race well. It is to give it our best. It is to steward the call on our life. It is to serve the Lord with gladness, with humility, with honor and integrity. It is to put your hand to the plow and not look back. It's to feel weak but still get up. It's to feel the pain and still minister. It is to feel all the things that you feel and still go. Still go because it's not about you but the one who equips you, who anoints you, who empowers powers you it's not about what you have and what you don't have it's about who you have it's not about what was given to you or what was taken from you it's about who has never left you who has never forsaken you God Jesus Christ the King of Kings he will never forsake you he will never abandon you he will complete the work that he has set before you don't compare don't rob yourself of the blessing don't rob yourself of joy you're doing it to yourself second timothy 4 7 i have fought the good fight i have finished the race i have kept the faith that is my prize when i get before god almighty and he says miriam you finished well oh i can't wait to hear that i'm like because it was hard lord Woo! galatians 5 7 you were running a good race who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth was it comparison Maybe it was apathy. Maybe it was unbelief. Who cut in on you from obeying the truth? No one can keep us from obeying the truth but ourselves. No law, hear that again, no law can keep you from obeying the truth. I don't care, I will glorify God. Whether the law says I can or won't, I'm gonna do what God calls me to do. I'm not afraid. How do we keep the door locked so comparison doesn't come in? I'm gonna have to go really quickly through these because again, I talk a lot. So learn to be a deeply grateful person. Learn to be a deeply grateful person. My husband's told me how annoying I can be when I say thank you to the same person 20 times. He's like, babe, they just left. You just said thank you. I'm like, well, I don't know. I just wanna make sure they know I'm thankful. Learn to be deeply grateful. 
Learn to be deeply grateful. Live a Christ-centered life instead of a self-centered life. Live a Christ-centered life. Christ, I live for you. You are my cornerstone. I pick up my cross and I follow you. I live for you. Live for the applause of heaven. Live for the applause of heaven. Honor those God has placed in your life by not taking them for granted and giving them the best of you. Do a social media detox, like legit. I've had to do this. I, I hope you don't mind. I'm just gonna be real honest. I've had to, at different times, mute different pastors I love, like incredible communicators, because I caught myself comparing. I caught myself like, oh man, I can never talk like that. I can never do that. I can never lead at that level. I can never raise a huge women's ministry. Oh my gosh, all the lies that no one put in my head but myself. And sometimes social media is there is a great tool, but sometimes it is a terrible tool to steal your joy. And you have to be wise enough to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Mute, 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 unfollow, 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 and then say sorry later. Celebrate others well, even when it feels hard to celebrate them. In 2 Peter 1.3, the Bible tells us, God has given you and I everything and everyone we need to live this life he has called us to. I will be incomplete, but he makes me complete. And through the body of Christ, I'm even more complete. And so I am not fully with everything. I don't have every gift and talent. I don't have all that I need to make everything. No, but he's given you and I each other so we can complete each other through the blood of the lamb. And together we are the church and we are the army of the living God and we will advance and we will take crown and the weapons of the enemy will not prevail against the church because together we are stronger don't compare keep growing stay surrendered keep your eyes focused on Jesus and run your race I'll finish with the same scripture we opened with Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight. Say it with me, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Lord, I pray you strip off every weight, the weight of comparison. Lord, the weight of unbelief, God, the weight of apathy. Lord, I pray you strip it off your sons and daughters today. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Verse two, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Why don't you stand to your feet? I don't know if that's you in here today. Maybe I'm the only one who has struggled with comparison, but I don't think I'm alone in this place. And if that's you, and you know, today you have an opportunity to take the key out the door. Don't be like the Flemings that just, you know, hey, there you go, come on in, take our stuff. But today you have the opportunity to intentionally, intentionally choose to not compare. Intentionally choose to take the key out the door. Intentionally choose to lock the door and not let the worship team come and steal your stuff. Intentionally, intentionally choose. 
so right now in this moment why don't you pray just you and the Lord right now and if there's any weight that is slowing you down from running the race that God has given you whether it's motherhood fatherhood leadership teaching whatever it is he's called you in if there is a weight holding you down comparison unbelief apathy whatever it could be I just pray that even now on this Mother's Day May 2022 I pray that you would lay it down I pray that you say God today I surrender that thing I surrender this thing father I give it to you today I choose to keep my eyes on you the author and the finisher and the perfecter of my faith so go ahead in just a moment there you can you just seek the Lord there and just make him make a deal with him today and I do want to speak to another group of people you know, when it comes to comparison, the love of God, there is none that compare to Him when it comes to His love, when it comes to His generosity, when it comes to forgiveness. You see, when we give our life to Christ, when we say, Jesus, we want you to be the Lord and Savior of our life, it is the greatest decision you could ever make. And I wonder if there's somebody in here, whether in this room, in overflow, or in our foyer, or online, I wonder if there's someone there in their living room who's never given their life to Christ, who maybe has been running this life and on empty, just not knowing what your purpose is, not knowing what your call is, not knowing what your race is and you always feel like you're coming up on empty well I want to tell you that giving your life to Christ is the remedy for sin it is the remedy for a life without purpose giving your life to Christ is the remedy to those who feel lost and helpless and hopeless giving your life to Jesus isn't about a perfect life but it is about a forgiven life and so if that's you, if you're saying, hey, I, I don't really know what it looks like, but something inside of me is saying, yes, give your life to Jesus. Yes, receive him for the forgiveness of sins. Yes, give your life to Jesus. I wanna have the honor on this Mother's Day to lead you into this incredible relationship with him. So all across this room, if you don't mind, just bowing your head for a moment to give people their privacy. Same thing in overflow, same thing in the foyer. If that's you, if you're saying, hey, Pastor Miriam, I wanna give my life to Christ. I want the forgiveness of sins. I want the purpose that I was designed for to be revealed to my life. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand so I could pray for you? I would love the opportunity to believe God for you. Yep, I see those hands all across this room. Yep, I see your hand too. I see those hands in the back there, that guy there. Yep, I see all those hands. What we're gonna do is we're gonna put our hands down one more time because it's hard in this size of a crowd to be able to see you all but I want to make sure I see every hand so we're gonna count to three on the count of three I just want you to lift up your hand all you're saying is I'm giving my life to Christ today I am trusting God with my life so on the count of three if that's you you're gonna raise your hand one two three come on shoot them up all across this room yep I knew there was more of you yep I see you over here in the front I see these over here I see all of you in this section all of you up here in the middle there in the back there in the corner here I see you there as well I see you sir thank you I see those in the back there that's incredible I see you all the way in the back there too and I'm believing an overflow in the foyer and at home people are making decisions in our comment box there if you're online let someone know that you're giving your life to Jesus today and we're just gonna pray this prayer together it's a simple prayer it's nothing fancy it's not religious it's just a moment of surrender and why don't you repeat it with me dear God thank you for sending Jesus as my Lord and Savior today on this Mother's Day I give him my life I trust him with my life I ask for forgiveness of sins 
and I'm, run, I'm ready to run the race. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you place your faith in Jesus today, yeah, why don't we put our hands together for everyone who did that today. If you gave your life to Jesus, we have a gift for you at our Next Steps counter right through those doors. If you're online, text CONNECT7 to 97000. Hey moms, we have a lot for you right now. So as you exit to the left, we have a whole area designated to honor you, celebrate you. There's food, there's photography, there's gifts. Go pamper your mamas. We'll see you there. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day.